Well, hello, and welcome to another edition of the e-commerce evolution podcast. Today, I have two amazing guests for you. I recently recorded a holiday prep webinar and had some of my friends and some of just the smartest minds in e-commerce and marketing join me and talk about how to maximize your results for this holiday shopping season. But here's the deal. A lot of what we talked about in that webinar applies to holiday, yes, but it also goes beyond holiday. And so I wanted to bring these topics to you on the podcast. And so my two guests today are first, uh, Christina Muntean. And Christina is with Gorgeous, an e-commerce help desk. I probably don't need to tell you what Gorgeous is. You likely already know and you already use it. And she is one of the partner managers at Gorgeous. She works with OMG Commerce. We actually knew her from a previous life. She actually used to work for one of our clients. And so known Christina a long time. She's very bright. Uh, Christina and I talk about how to turn every customer interaction into a sales opportunity. So anytime that your team interacts with a customer, how do you use that to further your brand, further the relationship, and turn it into a sales opportunity. That's huge during the holidays because all the interactions with customers increase, right? But this topic is valuable beyond holiday as well. And then uh, guest number two is Jenna Gallardi, and Jenna is the senior omni-channel growth manager at Big Commerce. Now, I was speaking at an event in Miami several months ago. I ended up meeting uh, a couple of uh, the managers at Big Commerce. We kind of hit it off, started talking, and I said, hey, I'd like to know more about what Big Commerce is doing. So they invited me to their partner summit in Austin, Texas, got to hang out with Jenna Gallardi a little bit. And so Jenna and I talk about going omni-channel. Now, Jimny's uh, Jimny, I just made up a word. Jenna has been in the industry for a long time, used to be in the agency world, now works with some of the, the biggest brands on big commerce, works with the Feedonomics team, which Feedonomics is kind of best in class in terms of feed optimization for Google Shopping, of course, which is now mostly Performance Max, uh, but also Amazon and Walmart and Target Plus. We do talk about Target Plus here. And so again, we gear this discussion, this interview around holiday, but the concepts, the tips of going omni-channel certainly go well beyond holiday. So you're gonna love the interview with both Christina and Jenna. So sit back, relax, and enjoy. Are you a D2C brand spending over six figures a month on paid media? If so, then listen up. My agency, OMG Commerce, and I have worked with some of the top e-commerce brands over the years, including Boom, Native, Groove, Monin, Organifi, and dozens more. And every year, we audit hundreds of Google, YouTube, and Amazon ad accounts. And we always find either significant opportunities for growth or wasted ad spend to cut or both. For example, are you missing YouTube ads? Whatever you're spending on top of funnel Facebook, you should be able to spend 30 to 50% of that or more on YouTube with similar returns. So if you're spending 300 to 400,000 a month on Facebook, you should be able to easily spend 100 to 150,000 or more on YouTube. Visit omgcommerce.com to request a free strategy session or visit our resource page and get some of our free guides loaded with some of our best strategies for YouTube ads, 
Google Shopping, Amazon DSP, and more. Check it all out at omgcommerce.com. All right, for this next session, I'm delighted to welcome a longtime friend in the e-commerce space and a true pro, a real expert in how to get more from your e-commerce brand. I'd like to welcome Christina Montine from Gorgeous. Christina, how's it going? And thanks for coming on this as this live event. Hey, Brad, thank you so much for that intro. And yeah, it's, it's always wonderful to be here and to get to chat with you. Absolutely. So we we go way back, as it turns out. You used to work for a brand uh, who's a longtime OMG client. So, so you were on the brand side, making e-commerce happen, growing a brand, working with OMG. Uh, and now you're kind of on the, the SaaS side of, uh, and that's S-A-A-S uh, side uh, of e-commerce now with Gorgeous. And so uh, for those that don't know, and I think most people probably do, but but explain what is Gorgeous and how do you make merchants' life lives easier? And then we're going to dig into some specific tips for the holidays. Yeah. So no, it's it's been really cool, Brett, as you said, first of all, to get to work with you guys and the e-com brand side, but to be able to really dive in on one brand and see like, all right, how do we scale this? How do we, you know, acquire new customers? How do we keep them buying from us? But now moving to gorgeous, we currently work with over 10,000 e-commerce brands. So it's been such an awesome opportunity to really see e-com as a whole, you know, what are those trends and, and what's working and what isn't. And and um, so Gorgeous specifically, basically, we work with only e-commerce merchants and we basically support them as an e-commerce help desk. And what that means is as a brand, you guys know that you're being reached out to by customers across many different channels. It used to just be customers might email or call you on the phone, but that now they're expecting you to respond to them in your DMs and respond to ad comments. They're expecting you to be able to live chat you, maybe, you know, SMS text you. So Gorgeous basically empowers your brand to be able to actually manage all of that. So it pulls in all those different communication channels into one central hub and then links up with your e-commerce platform. So your Shopify, your big commerce, your Magento store, and basically allows you to actually take action on customer requests like changing of shipping address um, and all of that directly from one place. So tons of efficiency in terms of the customer support, customer experience side of things and really allows brands to have amazing customer experiences and drive more revenue on the CS side of things. I love this so much. And really, as we and we get to work with some some amazing top shelf e-commerce brands, most of them are working with gorgeous. And really, you just you make life simple and easier for merchants. And you guys talk a lot about conversational commerce. And I, I love that term. And I also love the concept of what if we turn every customer support situation, every every interaction with a customer, whether that's through live chat or someone tweeting at you or, or using messenger or whatever, calling you on the phone. What if we turn that into a sales opportunity? Because they are. And if you do it the right way, you can turn all of those interactions into sales opportunities. So I, I love that. I love that perspective that you guys bring. And so, so let's dive in because, you know, the holidays present a super unique time for all of e-commerce, but especially on the customer support side of things. And so uh, I want to do a few things, but let's, let's dive into this topic first. Um, how should we address customer feedback before Black Friday, Cyber Monday, right? So as we're getting ready 
so that we can leverage and, and get the most out of the holidays, how should we be collecting and addressing that feedback ahead of time? Yeah. So Brett, this is like one of the greatest uh, pieces that I've been supporting brands on just getting ready for the biggest influx of sales. And of course, customer inquiries is really taking a look at what are people actually writing into us about? What are they asking us questions about? What isn't clear? What's the positive and negative feedback? And really understanding that customers will tell you how yes. to win yes. and then keep their business if you're listening and if you're... They're telling you now, right? They're, they're giving you this feedback now if you're listening and if you're paying attention. Exactly. And so we like to just empower them to take a step further. Don't just wait for the feedback to come to you, but really proactively reach out to customers. You know, if someone happens to leave a, a poor review or if someone asks for a return, don't just like go ahead and, you know, fulfill that return, get the information from them that could maybe even actually save the sale or, you know, lead to a change in uh, the product or your website that actually leads to way more sales down the line. So it's, it's really this change piece. It's like, ask for this feedback, ask for this information, do customer interviews, do surveys, do, you know, net promoter score, CSAT satisfaction score after, you know, the purchases. But also right now, anyone can actually take all of their ticket history, whether it's from a help desk like Gorgeous or another, you know, help desk, export that and really understand, you know, what are the areas that people are writing in about. So with Gorgeous, it will actually tell you, it'll categorize the different feedback into different areas. So you'll be able to see, you know, what are the themes? What are we crushing and doing really well? And what are we sucking at and we really need to improve? And then to be able to make meaningful changes and really set you up for success and for people to have the best experiences leading into holiday. Yeah, it's so valuable. And you made a really good point uh, when, when you were chatting earlier that, that hey, if, if it gets to the point of a negative review, if someone leaves that negative review online, it's already done at that point, right? They've already moved on. They're already going to do business somewhere else, almost certainly. So don't let it get to that point, right? Usually people's first step is they reach out to customer support. They chat with you. They send you a message to messenger, right? So, so address that there, but then look for those trends because if one person's having an issue, probably several people are. And then when you know what those trends are, then you can fix things. So you got two examples that I want to dive into from real merchants, from gorgeous merchants. Uh, the first one was Woxer, and that's W-O-X-E-R. Uh, which, which, tell me what that brand is and then what was something they uncovered through uh, paying attention to their, their tickets. Yeah, this is a really cool and impactful example for them. But yeah, Woxer, a really cool retailer for women's boxer shorts. But basically, they noticed in the data, they were like, wow, what the heck just happened? We just saw a 10% monthly drop in subscriptions. They're, Significant. They're, yeah. Very significant. And um, thanks to like taking a look at this and looking in their CS system, their team actually kind of flagged this and looked at the various tickets and saw basically the theme. But what was happening is customers actually couldn't update their credit card info on the website. So any subscriptions where the credit card had expired, the subscription would just automatically churn. So this issue was basically surfaced by the CS team, just seeing kind of the theme and the tags around this. And they realized it was actually leading to this huge 10% subscription revenue drop. So they caught this though via, you know, seeing this trend come in via the tags in their CS. Interesting. Otherwise, if they hadn't seen that through tagging the, the uh, messaging system, 
then who knows what they would have looked at, right? Maybe talk about the marketing, uh, maybe talk to the marketing team. Hey, send us better traffic or talk to the conversion rate optimization team. Hey, if this is not converting as well, right? Like fix this thing when really it's just a simple technical thing that they had to fix that, that, hey, we need to alert people that their credit card's about to expire and make it easy for them to go in and update it in the backend system. But they had to look at those tickets to identify that. Awesome example. Uh, next one you had told me about, I'm going to pull this up. This is uh, Ilya, uh, which is a beauty brand. So as I pull this up, let me uh, give people kind of an understanding of what is Ilya Beauty and what did they uh, discover? Yeah, Brett. So Ilya is a freaking incredible brand all about... Beautiful site. It's an awesome site. Yeah. Beautiful site. All about clean skincare. And um, basically their bestseller, you can see Brett is right there, that first one. Exactly. Um, and the Ilya team basically noticed also by looking at all of their customer feedback that 50% of the contacts... 50% of basically all reach outs across channels were actually questions about, hey, I'm really excited to try this product, but I'm really nervous that I'm not going to find the right shade for me. There's so many options and I'm a little bit concerned. I'm buying this online. Like I'm going to have to return it. That's a pain. Like it, just people feeling a lot of friction towards actually initiating moving into a sale basically for this product. And yeah, this there, is there are 30, there are 30 shade options here and some of them are pretty similar looking, right? Like how do I d determine between the, yeah, I, you know, whatever these names are uh, of shades while just looking at it online? That's difficult. It is. On one end, it's beautiful because you're like, wow. I can get the exact right shade for yeah. me. <laughs> exactly. But that's even more of the key here, Brett, because it's like, we got to get people into the right shade to have that amazing customer experience yes. first. And we know if we nail it, where it's just a perfect match, it's highly likely because the product is badass that they'll continue to purchase. Yeah. So this first touch point is incredibly critical to Ilya. So what they did, Brett, if you actually see that find my shade, that's kind of right underneath all of the 30 ish shades that you said, which yeah. it's yeah, right there. And then if you click get matched by our team, they basically put in this form. So it's asking customers or potential customers to go ahead, take a quick selfie, drop a photo, uh, fill out their email, just a couple quick pieces of information. This was basically built with the Gorgeous team and Ilya's team super involved. So what happens is when someone fills this out, this form actually populates straight into Gorgeous and gets assigned to a specific team that's responsibility is basically getting answers to these customers ASAP because we know if someone's taking the time to take a selfie, inquire about this, they are warm leads. They want to buy from you. So the last time I looked, I, the response time was about four minutes. Which is awesome. Great. Um, and when they instituted this, they basically found this was leading to seven figures of sales in one quarter alone just from this wow. form. Over 25% conversion rate. So... Um, pretty dang powerful and epic tool. And again, this came to light because they looked at the feedback of, dang, 50% of the reach outs that we're getting are about people being concerned and frustrated about, you know, finding the, the right shade for them. Yeah. And, and so then if you just make it, so I'm, I'm sure, you know, not only this conversion rate increase when they do this, it was a million dollars in sales in one quarter, but I bet you that repeat rate increases, LTV increases substantially when you nail that color on the first purchase. 
And even, even if you know that returns are possible, and even if you know that returns are relatively easy, like there's not going to be an argument or a fight with the brand, everybody hates it, right? Nobody wants to, nobody wants to deal with returns. So, so making that clear, easy, uh, super, super powerful. Love that example. That's, that's awesome. Uh, okay, cool. So next, next point is, uh, let's talk about repeat business, right? So we all know that, that the name of the game with e-commerce is getting those repeat purchases. In most cases, I know there, there are a few exceptions, right? If you're selling mattresses or whatnot, uh, maybe you can get a couple repeat purchases, but it's more rare. But for most brands, for Ilya, for sure, for Waxer, for others, for, for companies like Boom, I see Joseph Ezra's company or Overtone, it's all about the repeat purchase. Uh, you'd, you'd given me a stat earlier, which I thought was awesome, uh, which, you know, 21% of... Uh, all customers are repeat customers, right? So it's only 20%, but it's like 45% of all revenue uh, comes from repeat customers. So a disproportionate amount of revenue compared to true customer count comes from repeat purchases. So how do we, uh, how do we make the most of our repeat purchases and our, and our repeat customers? And what are some tips that you guys uh, have there at Gorgeous? Yeah. And I mean, Brett, sitting on the brand side, I know it was always very sexy to go after the next new acquisition channel and like the perfect funnel and offer and all those things. And of course, it's like, we love it when we find something works to bring us more people. But at the end of the day, like what we're seeing too is it's such an important bucket where like 300% more revenue is typically generated by repeat purchases than first time. And we know that, you know, it takes a while to break even. So the more times you can get someone to purchase. It's just so critical to the success and longevity of a brand. So we really want to help brands make that not an afterthought, but make it, you know, something that's upfront and really important. So a couple of the just tips that I've had that work really well. First is VIP tagging. So with Gorgeous, a brand based off of their AOV and LTV, obviously they're going to have a specific parameters by which they decide someone's VIP. But um, say this makeup brand decides that a VIP is someone who's purchased more than five times or has spent more than $250. Um, you can also tell them like if you're using Yapo or Loyalty Lion, one of those other programs, you can say, hey, or if someone is gold tier um, in Yapo or Loyalty Lion, if they reach out to our brand at any point, put them in the VIP category. And you can even assign you know, a specific agent or a specific team to VIPs. So say we know that Brett is the most like just, you know, our customers absolutely love working with him. He's kind of assigned to your, like your top tier customer support reps type of thing. Exactly. Um, so maybe we just say, Hey, we're going to funnel all the VIPs to Brett. He knows like longstanding relationships with some of them and rapport. Um, and he's going to get back to them. ASAP, maybe there's, you know, certain parameters or things we're willing to flex as a brand for our VIP customers, but just having them really called out, put into a separate bucket, assigned to a specific team who can really cater to them and, and give them the fastest, like absolute priority is something that I've seen a lot of success and people have really loved and felt valued as, as incredibly important uh, and, and supportive customers. Love it. I mean, the, the data is there, right? And so we we shouldn't treat we should treat all of our customers well. We should we should love on all our customers. But 
you want to know who your VIPs are, right? And you want to make sure they have the best experience possible. So I love that. I love VIP tagging. Now, you'd also talk to me a little bit about what Dr. Squatch does and what they kind of did in preparation for Black Friday, Cyber Monday in the past. But uh, talk, talk about that a little bit. Yeah. So Dr. Squatch really thought like long and hard, especially like setting up for the rest of the year about setting up a dedicated team solely focused on building the customer relationship and focused on retention. So I loved this, especially leading up to Black Friday, Cyber Monday, because they basically have a team that's just looking at the whole customer journey and really focusing on key areas um, with customers. So, you know, pieces around subscription anniversaries or birthdays and reaching out, making that personalized touch point. Additionally, they're responsible for things like communicating unexpected supply chain delays or unexpected out of stock or just anything that might be out of you know the realm of expectation that we might hope for, but that's important to communicate on. Also really identifying cross-sell opportunities. So maybe like checking back in with someone who's purchased, you know, 30 days ago, we might know that we can expect another purchase soon. Let's check in. Let's see how that's going. Let's see, you know, is there another product that would suit to, to bring them into? So they really looked at building out this team and building out almost these touch points, starting to have those touch points with customers, which brings out almost like these wow, amazing opportunities, building that loyalty heading into Black Friday, I think is really powerful. And I'm excited to see how that plays out for them. Yeah, I love that so much. Uh, totally makes sense that that would pay off. So uh, we kind of we kind of tease this during the intro, but treating every customer service experience or every interaction as an opportunity to upsell, cross-sell, things like that. How do you recommend brands go about doing that? Yeah. So Brett, the the CS team, the agents that work with that team really have the opportunity to influence revenue in either direction with each of their interactions. So something that we've really been working on with brands is consider helping them set it up where their agents are actually really incentivized in line with driving a great customer experience as well as revenue. So instead of just having agents say, I did my job. I closed all my tickets. That's really not just what we're looking for. In that's, terms like, that's like minimum, right? That's like baseline. Like that. that's expected. That's required. Right. Exactly. Anybody should do that. Yeah. Exactly. But really, we, we've been helping brands align their agents with actually how much revenue are they driving? What is the customer satisfaction rating for them of all the tickets that they actually went forward and closed? And we know that, again, customers who ask questions on your site are 30% more likely to actually move into the purchase. And we know that those CS agents are the ones talking to them. So it's like, how can we incentivize them to have to give the customers the best experience possible and drive more revenue? So, you know, of course, some brands are doing things like in Gorgeous, you can actually see, okay, here's Brett. He's driven this much revenue. His CSTAT rating is this. And actually, you know, sending them gift cards or additional bonuses or commission related to that. Um, but really, it's 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 that piece and also supporting them also with training these agents almost like salespeople. So, you know, training them on what other products after someone's bought product A what is product B that's the next that makes the most step for most sense for them to move into next? So really training them on those areas as well. And I, I love this so much because if we're providing the right incentives, right, then our, our customer service support team 
they're going to take the action that we incentivize, right? If all you're doing is saying, hey, close more tickets, close them, more, close them faster, then that's what people will do. And they'll want to try to rush through those support tickets. But if you say, hey, we're going to incentivize you, we're going to reward you for closing deals, right? That's going to cause everybody to, to step their game up a little bit because to close something out really just takes speed. But you got to kind of create that wow experience to get someone to buy an additional product or to cross sell or upsell. It's just, it's just a different mentality. And to do that, then you got to train people, right? You got to train your team to know how to cross sell, how to upsell, how to phrase things. Uh, and when you do, I know the rewards will be there. So that's awesome. I love that so much. And then kind of lastly, as we wrap up uh, this session, kind of wrap up our talking points is, you know, as we move into Black Friday, Cyber Monday, the number of tickets will increase people's urgency to purchase increases, right? I got to buy this thing so it can be under the tree or so I can give it to my niece or nephew or kid or whoever. And so uh, talk about speed. How, how important is speed in these interactions? Oh man, Brett. Yeah. I don't, I don't think this one will ever change or I'm saying this now, I guess, you know, you can quote yeah, me. Yeah. It'll never change. I, I think we can, we, we can bet on that. Yeah. I don't think it will, but time and time again, we continue to see that first response time is the number one predictor in terms of a customer saying, I had a great experience and also that revenue was attached to that experience. So wow. I was so looking that's at- the most, That's the most important thing for one saying I had a good experience and two, actually buying something is yeah. speed of that initial response. Yes. Impressive. Yeah. And I was actually looking at some data from Shopify and basically businesses that responded to customers within that first five minutes, 70% more likely to actually make a sale. So it's incredibly impactful. One of our uh, amazing brands that that we work with, Brewmate, they actually, last data I looked at, first response time on chat, 52 seconds. Wow. Over awesome. 300 grand in sales attributed 52, or 52 second first response time on chat. And that was in like a couple month period. It was... Like, so th this is meaningful. And their yeah. CSAT rating again was, was, um, just, just off the charts close to a five. So it's, it's absolutely critical, Brett. Yeah. I love that. And think about that. Not only can you, you know, tie that, that revenue directly to the 350 K uh, because the response time was under a minute, but also think about what, what does that do to loyalty? What does that do to repeat purchases over time? What does that do to the number of people that I now refer to Brewmate? Because I just, I, I have an amazing experience every time I, I buy or chat with them. Um, I think that the impact there can, can be, uh, can, be pretty amazing. So now I know one of the other things you, you, you talked to me about is, is not just those, that fast response time, but how can we automate some things, right? How, how do we automate some of the basics so that our team can really focus on those cross-sell, upsell opportunities? So I think you had an example there, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Well, Brett, really, like when I share that, I'm like, hey, 52 seconds, people are like, that sounds great, Christina. And I know this is going to make me more money, but how the heck do you want me to be able to actually do this? They're like, you're telling me that I'm going to manage all of these new channels. Now I'm pulling in ad comments and DMs. Like now I have my SMS pulled in. How, like, like how? And so literally, which it's, it's an amazing question, but it's one of the things that I love the most to support brands with, which is like, how, the areas that we can help with automation so that you can have these personalized touch points where it matters to build relationship and get people actually into the sale. So I help brands really take a look at, okay, do you have an FAQ page? 
what's on there. Okay, do we, once we like looked at actually all of our tags and all the information and questions customers have, let's make sure the FAQ is fully just beefed up, has everything in there that we can possibly want to share. And then let's also use areas like self-service chat where people can track their order themselves and really get commonly asked questions answered as quickly as possible and also deflect some of those tickets so our team doesn't have to worry about them customers are happy, they get the answer themselves, and we, the team can basically spend more time on things like active live chat. Yeah, so now people can just find the answer themselves, and it, it's now less than 52 seconds, right? But then we save yeah. those CS resources for uh, the, the interactions that need more, uh, more of a human touch and need more. Uh, and so I think you'd share with me, uh, was it Princess Polly was the example? It was, right. Yeah, they, um, they've got a great example. They're such an amazing brand. We absolutely love working with the team. But you can see here on the right, this is their active live chat. You can see um, the section once that widget pulls back up. You can see their quick answers and then um, the section for manage my orders. So this was all curated based off of inquiries that they were actively getting and completely specific to Princess Polly. But as you can see, they were getting people wanting shipping address changes. They were, you know, they use happy returns, people wanting to get that code right away. So this is completely customizable and set up based off of the commonly asked inquiries so that people can actually come in here, get the answers themselves. And then if they still need more help, of course, they can always live chat and move into it. But deflecting some of this kind of top-end repeat admin inquiries off the bat saves the team a ton of time to then actually have the conversations that need to be had. Love it. Makes for happier shoppers. Makes for a happier CS team too, because they don't love looking up the, the tracking information <laughs> for orders a million times a day. And so make everyone happy. by Literally, by that is the goal, Brett. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Christina, this has been fantastic. Uh, we're out of time for this session, but this has been so, so good. Uh, I'm a huge, huge believer. As a traffic guy, I am a huge fan of what you guys do because I know when the customer interactions are, are positive, more conversion rates, we can send more traffic, we can grow more, and uh, it's all just really, really good. And so if someone's watching this, and hopefully they're already a gorgeous customer, but if they're not, how should they contact you? How can they get started with Gorgeous? Yeah, if anyone's interested in learning more, they can email me. It's my first name, Christina with a K dot M-U-N-T-E-A-N at gorgeous.com. I'm sure um, you might have this in, in the comments or somewhere where you can click that, but happy to give anyone their second and third months free off of Gorgeous too. So you can really try it and get a feel for it. And I'm here to answer any questions along the way, but this has been a blast as always. I'm so grateful to get to hang with, with you and this crew, right? You know, I just, I just love what you guys do and, and you always add so much value to everyone. So I, I feel so lucky to get to hang with you. Awesome. You brought the thunder on this presentation for sure. So email Christina, yeah. right? Christina.Muntine at gorgeous.com because you get more, you get more free, you get more good stuff if you, you do, do that way than just going through a uh, chat or whatever. So uh, get involved with Gorgeous. Love it. Christina, thank you so much. Thank you, Brett. I told you that was going to be good. So that was Christina Muntean from Gorgeous. Hope you enjoyed that and learned a lot from it. And now we're going to transition and talk to Jenna Gallardi from Big Commerce and talking about going omni-channel. Here we go. 
All right, in this session, I am delighted to welcome Jenna Gillardi. And uh, Jenna's with Big Commerce. She's the senior omni-channel growth manager, which is a, a super cool title. I'm like way impressed by this title. Uh, but Jenna has a really a rich history in digital marketing. She ran an agency, and this agency crushed it, shall we say, right? Top 1% of Google, top 3% of Meta, most published case studies ever by Facebook and Instagram. And now she's on the big commerce team. We've recently connected. We keep running into each other, like at different events. We just keep, we keep hanging out, which is super awesome. Love your perspective on marketing. Love what you guys are doing at big commerce. And, and I was telling you, like, I, I just haven't been around big commerce a whole lot over the last several years, but I, I spoke at an event in Miami. I met, uh, I met uh, Dan and Juan, some, some, you know, big wigs at, at big commerce and like, Hey, you should check out big commerce. And so as I've gotten plugged into the ecosystem, I'm like super impressed with, with what you guys are doing. So uh, thanks for taking the time uh, to join this, Jenna. And why don't you kind of explain to people, so you're the senior omni-channel growth manager, but what, what does that mean? What do you, what do, you do at Big Commerce? Yeah, well, first, thanks for having me. Um, it is kind of a loaded title. So yeah. I run three departments here, which is our omni-channel certified agency our omni-channel consult division, and then also the integration between Feedonomics and BigCommerce. So all things omni and growth are kind of in my remit. So traditionally, I think BigCommerce really focused on getting merchants net new onto the BigCommerce e-commerce platform, where with acquisition of Feedonomics, it kind of shifted our view a little bit and what's important to us and how we help merchants grow. So Feedonomics is platform agnostic. It doesn't matter if you're on big commerce anymore. So with the agencies that I work with and the consults that we run in our division, which are all about helping merchants grow and either evaluate their current media mix or look to what are the next best channels that they can add that are really going to drive revenue for their business. And it's interesting kind of wearing a BC name badge, but sitting in almost in a platform agnostic division. Yeah, it's super interesting. And I want to talk a little bit about the, the big commerce roadmap in a minute because I think that's... I think everyone in e-commerce needs to know that, needs to know what you guys are, are up to. Uh, but the main focus of, of this session is, hey, we're going omni-channel and we're prepping for the holiday and we're on the home stretch and it's going to be here before we know it. But, you know, what are the things we can do now to prep? So that, that's going to be the, the primary focus of, of this, this time. But uh, let's talk about Feedonomics uh, really quickly. So I've actually uh, met and interviewed Brian Roizen before, one of, the, one of the founders of Feedonomics. Always been super impressed. Like all the people that are Google shopping nerds, which I know most of them, because that's, that's kind of my uh, wheelhouse and part of the origin of OMG, uh, all know Feedonomics. Like Feedonomics is the best of the best, right? But uh, for those that don't know, what is Feedonomics and why did big commerce go out and acquire it? Yeah, great question. So Feedonomics is a feed syndication solution. So it's not just a plug and play. You're connecting your e-commerce website or whatever your source of truth is, your ERP um, for inventory. Maybe it's your PIM for product data, but it's not just a matter of connecting to omni-channels anymore. It's how are you continuously optimizing the product data that you're sending? And does that product data differ between different channels? Newsflash, if it doesn't, it should. If you're sending that same product out to every channel, I guarantee you, you're not squeezing out as many conversions as you can. So for- right, Because every channel needs a little bit different data, right? To, to optimize for Walmart versus Amazon versus Target yeah. Plus, which we'll talk about in a minute. Like it's gotta be a little bit different, right? 
Yeah. And then just think about, I mean, talking about Google Shopping, you know, you need a white background with your product data, right? And there's a different categorization taxonomy with Google than there is with Walmart or there is with Amazon. Those non-branded keywords might differ, probably should differ, right? You might have a non-branded keyword on your product description page that's for organic ranking. But as you send it to these channels, you probably want to differ that non-branded keyword based on what are the search trends and queries on that specific channel. Or for Google Shopping, if you're sending products with a white background, if you're sending that to Instagram, you might want to have a lifestyle image. So if you're sending that same product data everywhere, you're really not optimizing for that specific channel to be able to get the best results that you can. So with big commerce, we're looking at not just how do we give merchants the best e-commerce platform, whether that's B2C or B2B. It's about how can we help merchants sell more everywhere? And that's Omni, right? It's being able to connect to the right channels, whether that's through a native integration or through Feedonomics, and you're optimizing that product data. So it's really a natural next step for us because we want to be the best omni-channel hub for merchants. We don't just want to be the best branded site. Yeah, I love it. And and so just a quick note on that. Yeah, there, there are a lot of solutions out there for feeds that are more like, they're just connectors, right? It's just a pipeline, pipeline of data from your source of truth, you know, from your your uh, database, your platform out to these other channels. But there's really not much else like Feedonomics that that optimizes those things, right? It's like, yes, we'll connect the data, but we're also then looking at what is performance like? What does this channel need? So what does the channel need initially? Then what's that, what's that feedback loop of performance? And how do we continually optimize the data to get the most out of that channel? Which is really powerful uh, because otherwise you're just you're kind of halfway doing it on some channels rather than the maximizing. So yeah, and it's also, I mean, some of these these connectors have the capacity to be a change agent and a transformation tool, but who's doing that change, right? right. So is that something that falls on the brand? Is it something that goes to an agency? Uh, you guys all know at OMG Commerce that it's it's a lot, right? And those channels are constantly changing, and whether it's the requirements or their category taxonomy, it's it's a constant change. So who's managing that? With economics, yeah. they're one of the only white glove services where they manage all of that for you. So you have the capacity to have those stop gaps and approvals if you want to be part of that strategy. But when I did an audit of the Feedonomics platform, less than 5% of merchants or agencies even logged in because they don't have to, right? That's something that the Feedonomics team manages. And then I also did a survey last year because I was curious on like the why, right? Why does this matter to merchants? Why does this matter to agencies? And typically, they saved an average of 50 hours a month per brand by utilizing Feedonomics to optimize their product data versus doing it in-house. So yeah, it, it really is one of those things where to, to do it properly, especially if you're a multi-channel or omni-channel, you need to have like multiple dedicated people to, to helping you just manage manage the feeds and the data. Yep. And so, so Feedonomics uh, takes care of that, which, which is a beautiful thing. So let's let's talk omni-channel and, and kind of some last-minute prep uh, or, or ideas or suggestions that you would provide. And I, and I want to underscore this, this discussion with, with this point. Um, you know, I, I'm a big fan of D2C, obviously, right? Like almost uh, we're exclusively e-commerce. Most of our clients are, are mainly D2C or they got a big D2C component, so direct to consumer. But I'm, I'm convinced now, as I've looked at the data, as I've talked to a lot of other smart people in the industry, I think growth for pure D2C. So where I'm selling from my site to a customer directly, that's going to always be limited. Like the, the, the 
for your brand to reach your ultimate goals, to reach as many people as possible and rich lives and make profits and all the fun things you want to do, I think you got you to gotta go beyond D2C, right? You got to go omni-channel. You got to be in store, most likely. You got to be selling through different marketplaces. Like you got to do all these things. I think pure play D2C is exciting, but it's limiting. So let, let's talk about it. it first, you know, any, any thoughts from your perspective on omni-channel before we talk about, about tips? Yeah, I mean, I think it's an imperative. So when we look at big commerce merchants, obviously we have some some insight there where we can leverage about 70,000 merchants. When we look at some of this data, if merchants have an omni-channel strategy, typically 67% of their sales are happening off-site. Yeah. So they're not going direct to consumer. And then of what they're selling on their site, about 20% is coming from a paid ad before they get to the site. That's really leading to that GMV on their e-com site. So if you're looking at 67% is off-site, where is that happening? So typically it's a combination of marketplaces and social commerce um, and being able to take those products that you already have, they're already selling direct to consumer and being able to optimize that product data and syndicate it somewhere else but then you also have to think about those orders, right? So you need to make sure those orders are porting back in. That's something that Feedonomics can handle as well to ensure that you're not overselling, right? And that's something a lot of merchants need to think about in the holiday season is if you're selling on 20 different channels, how are you ensuring you're not overselling and then right. either having a bad you know, consumer experience where they're not getting the product when they think they are, or you could potentially get kicked off of some of these marketplaces by not fulfilling when you say you're going to. So it's imperative that you're not running those businesses in silos and you really have a connected system and the right tech stack to be able to support it and to understand where those sales are happening and how you're fulfilling them. Yeah, it definitely adds a layer of complexity, right? So now we're selling on Walmart and Amazon and, and maybe Target Plus and other places. Like we're selling in all these places and our own site. Like it does add a layer of complexity. You got to have the data nailed down. But I think it's also exciting because, uh, as you know, Jen, I'm more of a traffic guy uh, mm -hmm. and I love uh, top of funnel YouTube and Google. And so what we've seen, though, is when our clients are omni-channel and we really hit the gas pedal on YouTube. So we're going, you know, 500,000, a million a month on YouTube ads or whatever. I wish we have some clients doing that. If they're on multiple marketplaces... Um, there's there's a, a much bigger effect, right? Because there's only just there's only a certain segment of people they're going to buy on your D2C site, right? Even if it's the best site that anyone's ever seen, right? There's still a lot of people that prefer to buy on marketplace, and so I think it yeah it boosts sales right away by being on marketplaces. But then yeah. it makes everything else that you do better when you're on marketplace, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, I got some some good stats there for you. I mean, typically, yeah. uh, consumers having eight to ten touches with a brand before they purchase. Yeah. So when you think of like what's that user experience? What's that user funnel? A lot of times, they might be going to let's say Google to start that search to educate. Right. But then they might be going to Amazon to actually have that buying intent yeah. check out because they know their information's loaded from their address to their credit card and payment, but also they know they're going to get it in two days. So a lot of times people rely on those marketplaces because they know there's some sense of regularity versus going to all these different individual sites. Or sometimes it's a av higher average order value, right? Because they're not having to go just to one brand to purchase something. They can buy a full suite of products. Yeah. So now I'm being introduced to the brand either through YouTube or Facebook or TikTok or whatever. I may be going to the, the site to get uh, educated. And now I'm clicking around and I'm looking. And, and then I'm just going to buy from wherever is most convenient for me, right? And where, wherever I feel like I'm going to get the best deal. Or yeah, if I'm already buying from Amazon, which you know, most people are, then I can just load up that basket and buy the product there. And so, so yes, omni-channel. 
Uh, it is imperative. I like that word. Good, good choice of words there, Jenna. Um, so what can we be doing? Uh, home stretch here, prepping for the holidays. What can yeah. we be doing uh, now to really get the most of holiday? And, and if you need to share a few tips that maybe you should have done a, a month or two ago, that's fine too. But, but what, what are your tips for maximizing holiday? Yeah, well, good news. It's not too late. <laughs> There's yeah, still a lot agreed, you can do. Agreed. Um, you're definitely not going to re-platform probably before the holidays. Fire <laughs> a new store. It's just really maximizes. <laughs> you can, uh, move a hundred thousand SKUs before the holidays. Yeah, no. Is that a big deal? Um, <laughs> but there's there's a lot you can do, right? So first, I think it's it's looking at your current media mix. Can you evaluate what you're doing? Are you kind of plateaued from a return, you know, on your ad spend standpoint? And how can you squeeze out more, right? Is there some conversion rate optimization you can do on your site? So the traffic that you're getting, you're squeezing a little more juice out of it. Um, so I think that's always the first step is what am I already doing that I potentially could be pushing the gas a little bit harder, whether it's better budget or more optimization that you can be doing. Uh, we do see a lot of merchants, I think, through our console department that are hesitant to do something at this time of year. This is actually the best time of year, especially to test because you have so much more traffic that yep. you have the ability to get to those conclusions a lot faster. So let's say you're doing conversion rate optimization. You can test a bunch of different variables and you're going to get to that maximum you know, homeostasis of where you're producing the most by having more traffic and getting to those results faster by not having to, to wait as long for those conversion campaigns to run. So I think there's a lot you can do in this high traffic holiday season. There's also a lot you can do from adding net new channels, from revamping your creative that you're pushing to all these different channels, especially top of funnel. Um, I think a lot of people think about holiday sales kind of post holiday. And I think in the past couple of years, we've seen the trend where people are moving those sales up pre-holiday. So when people are purchasing and all that gifts going is happening, that they're actually getting those um, additional sales then as opposed to after the holidays. And I think that that is the best trend I've seen in the past couple of years from holidays to be able to allow people to have a higher average order value or to say like, hey, I'm buying this for somebody, but I also kind of want to buy one for myself. And I know <laughs> yep. that I can do it now instead of waiting till post-holiday um, and really squeeze out and maximize that from a, a merchant perspective to be able to offer those deals now. And it's not too late to start new channels. I mean, I think a lot of people get get scared and hesitant uh, when they're getting close to holiday season, but this is the time, right? If we know consumers take so many touches with a brand before they purchase, why not expand that pie, right? And be on all those potential channels. So if they're searching on Amazon or they're searching on Walmart, they're searching on Target, you're on all those channels and have the ability to be in front of as many merchants as possible. Yeah, I love it. And then, so what are you, what are you recommending people do? So in, in terms of like feed, feed prep, right. And so getting on to get on all these channels or maximize all these channels, what, what are you guys suggesting? Like, is now a good time to do a feed audit to kind of deep dive into what, what is our, how, how in shape is our data right now? What, what would you recommend as far as feed prep? Yeah, um, it's not waiting till January to get it in shape. <laughs> you want to make sure you're you're looking at that now, right? So one of the the great advantages of the way Feedonomics works and how confident they are in the work that they do is let's do a complimentary feed audit. So it takes anywhere from three to four business days. You'll get an idea of what your health of your data is now. A lot of times it's not that merchants are sending incorrect data. It's that it's not optimized for the specific channel that they're sending it to. So you might have a different different non-branded keyword for Amazon, for Walmart. You might have a lifestyle image for 
Instagram, but you might want to have a white background on Google so you can actually submit to Google Shopping. So it's a matter of looking at your data now, seeing if there's any room for improvement. And within a feed audit, you're going to see a score of A to F. You're going to see what are some of the things that you're doing incorrectly and how can you change. So whether you go with Feedonomics or not, you're going to have that actionable data that you can utilize now to maximize you know, your return for the holiday season. But I did a post-exit survey with Feedonomics merchants that decided not to go with Feedonomics, but still implemented the changes that they recommended in a feed audit. They saw an average of a 20% lift in the next 90 days. That's so, amazing. And so you get you get that feed audit. Yeah, regardless, it doesn't matter what platform you're on, doesn't matter if you're wanting to go Feedonomics or not, get the free audit. It's totally worth doing. So sure. uh, let's let's talk marketplaces for a minute. So what what kind of new or emerging uh, marketplaces or marketplaces that people aren't talking about as much. What, what are you really excited about or what has surprised you, you know, recently uh, with marketplaces? Yeah, I mean, I definitely get excited when I talk about marketplaces. And when typically, you know, if you're adding one marketplace, you're getting, you know, like a 39% lift in your revenue. If you go to two or more, you're going to get 120% increase in your revenue. So for me, it's a no-brainer. Like, why aren't more people on more marketplaces? Now, every product might not make sense, right? Because different marketplaces take a different haircut and different percentage for selling, you know, and having that transaction happen on their site. Um, but there's typically every merchant has some hero products that should be on all these different marketplaces. Uh, Target Plus, it's not that anyone doesn't know about it, but they were closed for almost two years. So they yeah, weren't super exclusive, right? To get on Target Plus. Yeah, invite only. And they were closed for two years. So they we just ran a closed beta with them through Feedonomics and through our omni-channel division of certified agencies. And it's amazing to see what some of these new merchants that just got on Target Plus are doing. So we're praying that this gets opened back up before the end of the year. Um, but if you are interested, you know, reach out to Brad. He can give you more information. But Target Plus, you see a huge return because it is so exclusive, right? So they're really particular on the, even the, down to the SKU level of that they allow. Even if they approve a merchant, they're going down to that SKU level of what they're selecting because they want to cherry pick what they know is going to be the best for their merchants and it's going to perform the best. But what's interesting is in this closed beta, they were requiring all merchants to utilize Feedonomics because they wanted to ensure that they were getting the healthiest data. They don't want their end consumer, right, not being able to search or to find the products that they're looking for. So it's all about the data that they ingest. Yeah. And really, I mean, there, there's lots of reasons to choose Feedonomics, but but if, if you are a good fit and if you can get approved for Target Plus, like that, that's definitely a reason to, to push you over the edge, like to, to get on Target Plus. Um, that's another reason to, to check it out. And yeah, it's just a different strategy, right? Than what Amazon has or even Walmart has. Amazon's like, hey, we'll take just about anything. We're going to, you know, massive yeah. amount of SKUs and see how it goes. And Target's more like, no, we want to pick the things that we think will delight or the products will delight our customers. And and because of that, because people are just like Target fanatics. Um, I, yeah. I know people that are just nuts about Target. And so the results, and I, I, we, we, you and I were in uh, Austin, you, you guys, put on the big commerce uh, partner summit and I was there and I got to meet the kind of the head of target plus uh, from target mm -hmm. and, and hear some merchant stories. And dude, it's like, it's working right for the, the merchants that are on target plus it's opening up a whole, whole new world uh, to quote a Disney a movie. Uh, yeah. Of, yeah and it's, of, I mean, it's uh, interesting 
too, how many marketplaces are emerging. So I'm seeing pretty much every large big box store now is trying to offer some sort of marketplace offering. A lot of them are using Miracle, which I think is something people don't know about. That's kind of the background. Miracle, the marketplace platform. So you'll have big box stores like Bed Bath & Beyond, Best Buy, Kroger's, Macy's, et cetera. They're all using Miracle as their marketplace platform. So it's branded Bed Bath & Beyond, but the setup and the technology behind it is Miracle. So I'm I'm interested to see where some of these marketplaces are going. A lot of people think it's like, hey, we're buying this software to create this marketplace and that's kind of it. But it's really about curation, right? You want to make sure you have the right products for you know, your end users that you know are already coming to your store. Cool. So you've already kind of talked about this, but just want to want to zero in on it a little bit more. Any 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 trends uh, that you're seeing across U.S. marketplaces? There are new ones emerging, which is super interesting. You got Target Plus that's really taken off. But but any any other trends that we need to be aware of uh, with U.S. marketplaces? Um, actually, a trend uh, in the U.S. is to go outside the U.S. So uh, a lot of want to start to test different, you know, geological area geographies and see kind of do their products resonate there. Now, do they want to start spinning up a new store that's translated another language, you know, in a different currency, settling in a different bank account, or do they kind of want to dip their toe in the water and see if their products even perform, let's say in Latin America. So Mercado Libre is one that's really blowing up. So it's basically, um, yeah, Latin America, Mexico, Brazil, Colombia, it's like the Latin, it's like in Latin America, that's their Amazon, right? They have Amazon, but it's, it's that same type of volume. They've got like 65 million merchants. Um, I mean, 65 million consumers that are on Mercado Libre and are purchasing every day. So it's a great way because they translate everything for you. They handle the taxes, the tariffs, et cetera. So you can keep your, you know, us site in English. They help with the translation. They cover taxes, tariffs, currency exchange, everything like that. So that's a big trend that I'm seeing is merchants that want to test in Latin America, but aren't ready to make that investment. And Mercado Libre is the perfect first step. Love it. Yeah, I hear lots of talk about Mercado Libre, so I'm, I'm excited to, to see how that goes. Um, give us some success stories. What, what are, you know, one or two merchant success stories that are using pedonomics that are taking advantage of, you know, omnichannel consults, therapeutic commerce? Uh, yeah, share some stories with us. Yeah, so I mean, there's a million different case studies. It kind of depends like what vertical we want to go into. Um, one thing I think that's very interesting that we're about to publish some of these case studies is... We're taking the feedonomics technology and creating a self-serve version that's going to live within Channel Manager in the back end of e-commerce. This is something that's probably going to go live Q1, so not necessarily for holiday season, but something if you evaluate yeah, but if you evaluate feedonomics and then say maybe you're not ready yet, um, you're not ready to make that investment, maybe you're a $2 million merchant um, a year and you're not ready for the investment into feedonomics, you're not really spending as much on ads and you're kind of starting to get ramped up, this is going to be a great solution for those type of merchants to be able to grow and go beyond their plateau and really hit that next level. So it'll give merchants the ability to select which products they want to send to what channel and to be able to optimize and clean up that data in a self-serve function before they send it to channels. No e-commerce platform on the planet has that capacity to be able to do that. So that's something we want to be able to offer our merchants to be able to optimize for those channels. Like I said, big commerce no longer wants to be the best branded site, whether it's direct-to-consumer or B2B. We want to be the best omni-channel hub so merchants can sell more everywhere. 
Love it. Uh, and, and now with that, will that self-serve option of feedonomics, will that, uh, is that just for big commerce merchants or will that be for, uh, will that be platform agnostic? Um, so right now uh, we're building it with in tandem between the feedonomics development team and engineers and the big commerce team. So right now that's going to be just for big commerce where feedonomics is platform agnostic. When you have that service offering, that white glove service, that's something that does not matter what platform you're on, but this self-serve will only be on big commerce. But during the preliminary results, we're doing a bunch of case studies where we can see, okay, you have a control group of products that you're just piping straight out from your e-com store to, let's say, Google Shopping in this example. And then you have your optimized products that you're sending. We're seeing, you know, almost six times the amount of clicks, six times impressions, five times as many conversions. The conversion value is going up as well because people are able to search and find these products better. So it's it's significant when we look at the optimized versus unoptimized group. And it, you know, it's a huge overall increase in performance compared to the previous months in terms of clicks, impressions, total conversion. So I'm really excited for that to go live for merchants. And that's to me one of the most exciting case studies because a lot of times we're focusing on, you know, some of these larger merchants that are in that 20 million to 200 million, like in that hyper growth stage. But I want to ensure that these other merchants have the ability to get to that stage. And I think that this is key to that success. Nice. That's awesome. So uh, I, I just talked about the Big Commerce Partner Summit. So we're there. I got to hear some of the, the Big Commerce Roadmap. I was very impressed. Uh, you know, Big Commerce is really focusing on like that $10 million a year to a couple hundred million dollar a year yeah. hyper growth e-commerce brand, which is great. Like that's kind of where we're playing um, as an agency to OMG Commerce. Um, but I'm really excited. I heard a lot of really positive things at that summit. But kind of lay this out for us. What, what's on the roadmap for Big Commerce and what are you excited about? Yeah, I mean, I've before I came to Big Commerce, I was agency side for 13 years and used to do a lot of website builds in addition to performance marketing. And a lot of times we'd quote out three different platforms. Everyone's like, are you serious? And I'm like, yeah, I want the merchant to pick the best tech stack instead of this fanboy culture that follows some other, you know, right. e-commerce channels. We wanted to make sure that for our, you know, platform, are we really ensuring as we're building as an agency that this is the correct? And the commerce is always the prettiest girl in the room because it was lowest to total cost of ownership. You didn't have, you know, third-party apps that you had no control over the change. And you had, you know, as a development team, the ability to really customize based on what's the best for the merchant. And I think that's always been a key to big commerce and key to their success is they don't want to force you to say, this is the payment provider that you have to use. And this is how you have to fulfill. And, oh, you can't even use Amazon Buy with Prime or we're going to kick you off our platform. Instead, <laughs> they we want to say, everything is open and you select. You know, you choose. Who's the best payment provider for you? Who's the best fulfillment solution? You know, do you want to customize? Now, we want to obviously try to curate some of the best and breed solutions so it's easier for our merchants. And that's why we have our omnichannel content consult division. So you can actually come completely complimentary and get an audit of kind of what you're doing now. What's your current media mix? How can you potentially add net new channels? So I think for us and, and what's what's moving forward for big commerce and what I'm really excited about is how, how open the platform is. I mean, we were working on multi-location inventory for almost four years. Our development team was in Kiev in the middle of this horrible war and they still launched it on time, which to me, like, it makes me want to, like, cry. crazy, yeah, yeah. 
So it's just that we have an unbelievable team and we really care about our merchants, right? We want to ensure that they're set up for success and for growth. So one of the things I'm most excited is to see, first of all, people use that multi-location inventory and do more with it. We're already seeing some large brands that are able to have one backend and really easy management from a dashboard perspective, but have stores that are really customized for that location, whether it's a different product assortment, um, you know, different language on their site, different currency, but they're really able to customize, but have that ease of use to be able to to, to quickly be agile and be nimble with that, you know, huge footprint and that large tech stack to be able, you know, to have sophisticated merchants be agile is something that you don't see often. Normally it's like, you know, a, a huge cruise ship trying to turn around. So I think having that right tech stack, being able to be open is key. We've got a lot of really great alphas and betas that are about to come out before the end of the year, even in the lot in Q1 that are really all focused around, ensuring our merchants can maximize their success on these different omni channels. So obviously I'm I'm biased. I'm in the omni team. So that's really why I spend my day to day. But when you look at the analytics, that's that's key, right? So when we look across all big commerce merchants, about 67% of their sales and their GMV online is coming from off site purchases. So it's these marketplaces, the social commerce, being able to check out somewhere else, but then also port those orders back in for proper analytics and like their their data warehouse. So I'm excited to see some of these new omni channels that are also changing their ad platforms that I think are for the better. They're going to give merchants better analytics and better control over the success on those channels. So I'm really excited to see the ability for merchants to sell more everywhere. Yeah, lots of good stuff happening. Pay attention. Pay attention to what Big Commerce is doing. Uh, I've, I've been very impressed, and I, I'm looking forward to seeing it as well. So, uh, Jenna, as people are watching this or, or, or listening later, or whatever the case may be, and they're like, "Hey, I want that feed audit. I want that free feed audit from Feedonomics. Yeah. How can they get that?" Or maybe they're like, "Hey, I want to talk to Jenna and team. I want that omnichannel consult. I want to just see it's complimentary, right?" And I've got to hang with you guys a lot. You're just really cool people and fun to talk to and very smart. So how can people take advantage of those, those options? Yeah, great question. So we can throw some links in the in the description to be able yeah. to actually book an omni-channel consult. You can book with me or someone else on my team. You'll actually be able to select as you book straight onto our calendar, which I think is nice and efficient. Um, but if you're interested in that or interested in a feed audit, go to Brett. Find me on LinkedIn. I mean, we're more than happy, either one of us, to kind of funnel that for you. Um, yep. You know, I'm going to, my team will help you evaluate your strategy and tell you what are the best next steps. I can help you with that feed audit, but you really need a great agency like OMG Commerce to be able to fulfill that. So it's great to have your, you know, your feed set up, but you also need creative and you need media buying team. That's something that Feedonomics doesn't do and big commerce aren't implementers, right? We're here to give you the best solutions and the best options and then direct you to the best in class agencies. And that's why I'm here talking to OMG Commerce. I think you guys are really really killing it in the game and you're, you're getting the best results and I'm bullish on you guys. I'm excited to see what you do. Awesome. I love it. So yeah, feel free to reach out to MG Commerce too. We can direct you. Mm -hmm. We can put you directly in touch with Jenna and team at uh, Big Commerce. But Jenna, this was a ton of fun, man. Thank you for doing this. Thank you for, for bringing the energy and the insights. And uh, I feel just a little bit more ready for holiday. So thank you. Yeah. And just remember guys, it's not too late. So act now and you could have a totally different holiday season. Awesome. Thanks, Jenna. All right. Thanks so much.
At OMG Commerce, we accelerate growth for some of the most loved brands in e-commerce, like Boom, Native, True Earth, Overtone, and dozens more. If your Google and YouTube ad performance isn't where it should be, if you're struggling with Performance Max, or if you're not scaling like you'd like on Amazon, then we have two ways to help. One, we have amazing resources that are free for the taking, like our top YouTube ads guide with lots of examples, our PMAX checklist, or our Amazon DSP roadmap, plus many more. Or hit us up for a free strategy session. So go on over to omgcommerce.com and click on Let's Talk to request that free strategy session, or click on Resources and Guides and pick the guide that's right for you. And now back to the show.